0: Ms. Jackson. Ooh, I am real. Never meant to make
1: I It is DFS MVP alongside our director of DFS for 444.com, TJ Hernandez. I'm holding Kushner. TJ, that is throwing it back. Old school right there. That is the album. They still call it albums. That's the album that put Outcast on the map, Stankonia, back in the year 2000.
0: Yeah, I had to I I had a feeling you would you would know this one. I know I've thrown thrown a couple of wrenches your way, but Miss uh, <laughs> Jackson, Miss Jackson from Outcast is a classic. That's one everybody knows. Uh so that's that's a great one. As much outcast as possible. Um I'm, I'm all for that. And if you like Outcast and you like all of our intro music, the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. All you have to do is search DFS MVP on Spotify. It's my favorite lineup building music every week.
1: That was a slightly passive aggressive dig that you gave me, but you know what? You're right. I mean, (laughs) that's a big album and, and it was a big hit with miss Jackson. Anyways, week nine cash and GPP plays just like we normally do. Also TJ is just doing some extensive work here and he's going to let you know what is actually winning DraftKings tournament. So, broke down a whole bunch of stuff. We also got our DFS MVP promo. It's not too late, especially if your your regular season teams are tanking. Money. Just just sign up. You listen, you like what you're listening to, sign up and read it cuz we got more information behind the paywall. DFS MVP promo gets you 25% off. And that uh is after the price drop to $59. That's yeah. it. Fifty nine dollars yeah. for the rest of the season plus twenty five percent off.
0: Just do it. Stop being silly. And Goodness. and the good thing of uh, the good thing about this this promo, we're dropping prices tomorrow across the site. Actually, today when we air this podcast across the site, but with DFS, it's not it's not like redraft. We we go through through championship week, so you're still getting. Almost a full season's worth of, of content at a huge price drop, almost $100 off. I, I think it, it could almost pay for itself. Uh, in, in addition to that, if you want to rep 4 for 4 after you sign up for 4 for 4, we're giving away t-shirts every week. Rate and review the podcast. Leave us five stars with a nice review. We will automatically enter your name to be entered to win one of the best shirts in the fantasy industry. This week's winner is Macadamia Nuts. Great name. <laughs> Sorry, I, Double, just... <laughs> I had to pick this for two reasons. I saw the name, and it was a no-brainer who was winning. And then I actually read the review. He said it was his first GPP win, his biggest payout ever of his career using the podcast. Uh, if, if you want to enter, leave us a five-star review. Um, and then Macadamia Nuts, hit me up on Twitter, at TJ Hernandez. I'll give you the details. But I appreciate that. Review he gave us because we've seen quite a few of those in in the past week in terms of people hitting big in GPPs, having their biggest uh, cash of the week, and it's really a shout out to what's we've been doing at four for four. I think we had a GPP winner last week that basically just used Josh Hermsmeyer's air yards by low model. Only played those receivers, hit a GPP guys like uh like Denny carter uh Pat James, their content has been so on point. You could basically build a small player pool from just what those writers have been putting together and they've th- those core players have pretty much been making up these big winning contests and it- it's amazing because you look at four for Force content and we're not we're, we're not giving you a humongous player pool to where when they hit we say oh we were on those guys like these guys that that are riding at four for four they're narrowing it down to just a few plays so it it really puts a lot of pressure on them to be right and they've been right it's been pretty insane how accurate they've been lately
1: uh hermsmeyer has been helping a lot and it Crushing. really is amazing how much the air yards it it you go look at mm-hmm. the guys that he has there Go put them in your just make a, a lineup with the th- with the three top three guys yeah. at wide receiver, and the last couple of weeks they've hit. And every week this season, he's had a couple of guys blow up in that. Con- it's it really is amazing what he's doing.
0: Yeah, it's that that model's phenomenal. Like I said, the, the stacks that, that Denny and Pat are putting out, uh, the wide receiver cornerback matchups that Woller's putting out, our primetime slate that Hodges yep. putting out—they've all been crushing. It's been it's been really cool to watch.
1: All right, enough of that. Let's uh, we're, We've been too nice. <laughs> Let's get going. Um, here's what we do for the new listeners. We give you our core plays at each position for the main slate, and then we got a theory segment. And in week nine here, it's just, it's bye week, mm-hmm. hell. And if you're playing season long, you know it. DFS, it still affects us. There's only 10 games on the slate, main slate, three games on the main with game totals of at least 50, and then you got the Rams and the Saints. You know yeah. the highest ever game total, uh, over under. You can also call it in Vegas was sixty.
0: This week, this game has been bet up to sixty right now. Yeah, like that was back just, in four I nuts. think too. It's been almost it's been fifteen years since we've had a game close at sixty. Uh, yep, so we got five
1: almost... t- five teams twenty seven or more points. And you again, I just want to go back and tell you, I was looking at Twitter today, and some of the things you're putting out at the teams that are you know, crushing their implied Vegas mm-hmm. totals. And guess what? The Saints and the Rams yeah. are two of those teams.
0: Yeah, and it's it's going to provide some some fun leverage spots because you have that game. You have a bunch of teams with these high projections, but then it it gives you a situation where you have a team like the Chiefs who if they've been on the main slate, they've been – like you, you have to have players with them in, in your lineup, and all of a sudden we're going to have a week where they're probably going to be relatively low-owned, so you have lots of ways that you can leverage the field uh, with, with all these big games coming up.
1: All right, so let's get into this. Quarterback, um, my eyes just keep getting I, – I go down, I see Mahomes, and then I see Cam Newton. I'm like, I got to go with Cam Newton. Yeah. I mean, the, the Tampa Bay defense – is the worst in the nfl the points per game they're giving up over 318 passing yards i think per game uh cam newton at 8.6 k on fanduel and 6600 on kings this to me is a week to actually pay up a quarterback
0: yeah and and with a guy like cam you're you're paying up relative to uh to like to the field but they're still pricing players like Patrick Mahomes way up. He's $500 more than Cam. Uh, That's between the quarterback one and quarterback two, uh, which is almost the same gap as between uh, Cam Newton and the quarterback six. Uh, So you're still getting a little bit of a discount on Mahomes, like you said, against the worst pass defense in the league. If we adjust for strength of schedule at 4-for-4, we obviously have Tampa Bay ranked last against opposing quarterbacks. Uh, They've allowed the highest fantasy points per pass attempt, which is something that I like to look at and compare to uh, even schedule adjusted fantasy points because uh, that that only looks at that looks at efficiency, which is really important for quarterbacks. And Cam Newton isn't uh, someone that we generally think of as an efficient passer, but he has an extremely high floor as a quarterback. A lot of that has to do with his rushing ability and touchdown equity. 44 yards per game he's giving you basically a free t- passing touchdown with the fantasy points on the ground. Uh, but especially if we look to something like FanDuel, where touchdowns are very important. Cam's accounted for 85% of the Panthers' total touchdowns this season. That's the the second highest in the league behind Andrew Luck, but Andrew Luck isn't on the main slate uh, this week, so Cam's the highest on, <clears throat> excuse me, on the main slate. And then you take that touchdown equity, look at... Uh, Carolina's point total this week above 30—that's five points over their season average. So you can extrapolate Cam's uh, percentage of touchdowns to that big total and expect him to have a pretty good day.
1: Now you also got Ryan Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. here, and we can get into the Fitzpatrick debate. Last week, and and he's this week—he's 7100 on Fanduel, 5500 on DraftKings. I, I, last week, I faded Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. It seemed like everybody's on Winston. I said to myself. You know, Winston is a bad game away from getting benched, yeah. and maybe this is and not only getting benched. He got benched during the game. <laughs> yeah. um, I I don't know what kind of leash Fitzpatrick has. To me, this situation is too volatile for cash. Yeah, but I know that you probably have a pretty good argument for Ryan Fitzpatrick if you wanted to save some salary. I,
0: I wanted to bring him up specifically uh, because the situation at quarterback this week is this: we have. Cam, who I already mentioned, and then on FanDuel, anyone else that you're considering is in a very similar price range, or you're looking at on on DraftKings, you're getting a discount for guys like Jared Goff and Drew Brees, but they're in the same game against each other. You're probably going to be rostering a, a lot of Saints and a lot of Rams. A lot of people don't like to game or team stack in cash. Uh, that that could vary depending on uh, what what. Kind of game you're playing, whether you're playing head-to-heads or 50/50s, that could change the the optimal strategy. But Fitzpatrick is is the guy that's near the top of the value ranks on four for four. That's at least in a in a different salary tier from these guys. Seventy-one hundred on Fanduel, fifty-five hundred dollars on DraftKings, and we know that opposing passing games are highly correlated. So in in isolation, that obviously makes sense here. But look at what Tampa Bay has done. As a team, if we combine Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston, they actually lead the league in quarterback scoring, fantasy points. They're they're averaging uh, as a team almost a full more, uh, point per game more than the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. They've thrown, the Buccaneers have thrown for 300 yards in a game every week except for one. Last week, you mentioned Jameis got pulled. Jameis and, and, and Fitzpatrick combined for over 400 yards last week. That's the fourth time Tampa Bay's thrown for 400 yards in a game. And if we still look at Fitzpatrick's season, obviously he had that big early season explosion. He still leads the league in fantasy points per pass attempt. So there there's a lot to be said about this Tampa Bay passing game. Uh, can we see a situation last week where he has a bad game, where Carolina gets up big and Fitzpatrick gets yanked? For sure, uh, but we do know that, because tampa bay's defense is so bad it's it's led them in part to have to pass more than they want to and this is a team that i I talked about it before the season a lot they're a team that they want to stretch the field the field they're built for high volatility they want to throw the ball i mean look at their guys they got mike evans oj howard uh deshaun jackson even chris godwin is for for what he is he even plays a, a little deeper than someone in a similar role on another team so in a situation we talked about off air where we're seeing so much overlap in lineups, whether it be because of, of salary structure or because of, of team stacking, even even in, in cash games, that it, it does behoove you to try to be a little bit different even in cash. And, and Fitzpatrick probably will lead to at least a little bit of, of a unique lineup. I don't think he's going to be a big secret, but people are still going to gravitate way more to, to Cam and Goff and Breeze. I'm glad you brought that up uh, as far as the cash games go, because, you know,
1: this is something a couple of years ago and I kind of find it more on on FanDuel than Mm -hmm. DraftKings. And correct me if I'm wrong there. But when I'm looking at cash game lineups now and there's at least three guys a week that are 70 percent owned or more. You know, think about that for a minute. And you do you you. everything evolves the games evolve everything evolves well i think now cash games have evolved to the point to where you do need to do something that um is not by the book Uh, you've got to figure out what exactly that is and if you're going to jam Gurley into your lineups then cam newton and pat mahomes are probably not going to be on your list and ryan fitzpatrick is the guy to pivot to. right
0: and and the reason we've seen that shift and i mean we could talk about Fandle specifically because they do have a little bit of a looser salary structure which which leads you to roster more studs which leads to more lineup overlap which in turn leads to more variance. uh we we want to be a little different because you you need to uh separate yourself from the field just in terms of that that lineup construction um and because of Fandle's scoring system that's going to be uh Amplified in terms of how much that that variance comes into play when you have that lineup overlap because they don't have the bonus system, uh they don't have the um the full point for PPR, so all those things really come into play there. All right, so speaking of
1: Todd Gurley, as I brought up, let's get to running back. He's at eleven point two on FanDuel, mm-hmm. ninety five hundred on DraftKings. I mean, at this point, how do you jam him into cash lineups? How do you even do it? How do you build a solid floor when you're using that much, especially on FanDuel? $11,200, how do you do it, TJ?
0: Yeah, it's similar to to what we saw last week where overall uh, salaries are still a little bit tighter on DraftKings, but Gurley – as a standalone player, is priced up so high on Fanduel that it is a little tough to fit him into your lineups on Fanduel. On DraftKings, I think it's pretty doable. Uh, for for what it's worth, <clears throat> if you take my two player pools that I have right now, plug them into the four for four lineup generator, it gives you a lot of girly on DraftKings. It gives you pretty much no girly on Fanduel. Now, of course, that that's looking at median projections. Gurley's a guy that could win you the week on his own. But uh, if we're just looking at at overall salary and what it does to your lineup, it's it's pretty hard to fit him in. And he, you, you I don't think it's going to matter much in this matchup because we're going probably see this. both of these teams, like you talked about, have uh, exceeded their their implied point total more often than not. And this is probably going to be a shootout. Gurley leads the league in touchdown equity. He is an underdog. The Saints are top 10 in schedule-adjusted fantasy points against running backs. Like I said, I don't think that's going to matter here, but it's definitely worth noting when we compare him to some of the other options that are way cheaper.
1: Yeah, I told you this before the show. I don't I don't mind saying uh, on the show that at this point, the last couple of weeks so that I did not have mm-hmm. to make the girly decision, I've been playing the early yeah. slates only for cash. I mean, now listen, Gurley – and in, in gpp for me go we gotta go for him mm-hmm. i mean he, he's every week has the potential to blow up for 35 mm-hmm. points but my goodness man it is just it's so difficult with a cash build that thank goodness there's the option of the early slate because then i don't have to worry about it there's other there's other ways to go so if, you, if you're interested in that tactic you wouldn't be the only one doing it it just it makes life a lot easier when you take the girly factor. out. We've,
0: and we've talked about it before on this podcast about playing multiple slates to to either limit variance uh, or at least give yourself some divers diversification without forcing it, because what whatever side of the ball you're on, if you're playing the full slate, whether you like girly or not, uh, your your week is often going to swing, at least at, at this point with the way salaries are structured is going to swing on whether you play him or not and that's that's a pretty when when you're basically hinging your week on a single decision like that it makes sense to do something like you're doing and play multiple slates where you, you at least take that decision out of the equation and can can get back to a little more value based skill based uh, lineup construction all right so here's
1: the the next name on the list Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. 7900 FanDuel 7800 DraftKings against the Tampa Bay defense that just gets completely crushed by everybody including uh the running back situation so here before we get into McCaffrey and for me it's coming down to McCaffrey on Fandle it's coming down to McCaffrey and James Connor mm-hmm. and more than anything else I was I'm concerned about McCaffrey getting into the Damn. end zone but I'm more concerned that James Connor has to go up against the Baltimore defense that it can shut anybody down and has shut him down before they're going to be on the road. I'm leaning toward McCaffrey. Um, can you just talk about that a little bit? Your thoughts on it? Cause if somebody else is in the same boat that I'm in Connor or McCaffrey, why McCaffrey and cash?
0: Uh, I mean, kind of for, for the, the reasons that you stated, I mean, Baltimore has, has a much better defense. We, we know historically that these, uh, these matchups between uh, these AFC North teams, can be pretty low scoring we know about the Steelers road splits uh whether it be home or away uh and McCaffrey he is he's up there with Connor in terms of 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 touch share these guys are are um near the absolute top uh in terms of percentage of team touches percentage of running back touches I believe McCaffrey's the only running back in the league that has uh that has played at least 90% of his team snaps and then Uh, Something that that our boy from Jonathan Bales tweeted out today is just the factor of division rivals playing uh, their second game against a division opponent tend to be much lower scoring lower offensive output. That's obviously going to translate to the whole team. Uh, Carolina hasn't played Tampa Bay yet, whereas Pittsburgh has already played Baltimore that comes into play a little bit. And then like you talked about Tampa Bay just horrible in all aspects of the game. So. Whether you want to look at percentages or or scoring equity, Tampa Bay is going to allow their opponents to move the ball very effectively, which is going to put someone like Christian McCaffrey, even though Cam accounts for so many of those touchdowns, you have to think that Carolina is going to be in scoring position a lot more then Pittsburgh is going to be a uh, large home favorite, which is something we always like for our running backs and, and at four for four we project McCaffrey as a top three value at the position on both FanDuel and DraftKings.
1: All right. So then it gets to uh yeah, you know, your other option mm-hmm. whether it's a flex or your second running back, if you're going to save money and try and uh, jam Gurley in there, and I mean it's Latavius yeah. Murray now. Dalvin Cook, we're taping this Halloween night, so Wednesday late Wednesday night the East Coast, actually Thursday early early Thursday morning, and. Dalvin Cook got in a limited practice. Now, by no means does that mean he's going to play. And for selfish reasons, I want him to sit Mm -hmm. out one more game because Latavius at 6,700 on FanDuel, what a joke. At 5,100 on DraftKings, what a joke. This has got to be the top value out there. Yeah,
0: it'd be a pretty curious move if they brought back Dalvin Cook, especially in a game here where where they're at home where they haven't been losing anything giving the ball to latavius the the vikings have actually shifted a little bit more towards the run in recent weeks with latavius and all reports have been that uh minnesota is going to wait till i I believe they have a week 10 bye to bring dalvin cook back after that so it would make a ton of sense for them just to uh let him rest for one more week during that bye, not lose another game bring him back during week 11 uh so let's just assume for this conversation's sake that it is Latavius Murray. Detroit is, uh, they've been one of the worst teams really all around, but it's been amplified against running backs because that's how teams have been choosing to attack them. Detroit has allowed the most total yards per game to opposing running backs, and we have Minnesota in a very positive game script as five-and-a-half-point home favorites. I I think probably there might be some people that are, are still a little sour on this play because he was such mega chalk early in the season against the Bills and not only did he but this whole team busted, but over the last three weeks, Latavius has been exactly what we want him to be as a starter and in positive game script. He ranks <clears throat> tenth in percentage of team touches over the last three weeks. So Minnesota's shifting they're they're still really high in terms of pass percentage, but whereas they were at the absolute top over the first four weeks of the season, they're more like 6th or 7th in terms of passing rate over the last uh, 3 or 4 games and that's led to those consistent touches for Murray and Detroit's allowed the most 100-yard games to opposing backs. That really comes into play when we're looking at DraftKings. Those those bonus points always help out a lot.
1: Yep. And uh again, if there's anybody fading Latavius because of what he did early in the season, I say go for it <laughs> yeah. again. Please let the rest of us uh, reap the benefits. So we move on to wide receiver now. And I do want to get to the the trades because, um, they, listen, this will be the first week Amari Cooper plays for the Cowboys. It's his debut, but that's not on the main slate. And uh, Ty Montgomery going to the Ravens with Collins banged up a little bit, that's not on the main slate. There are a couple of guys that are on the main slate we'll get to in a moment, but we got to start. With Adam Thielen, eighty nine hundred Fanduel, eighty nine hundred DraftKings, he's scoring a touchdown every single week. This guy is this guy's like running back yeah. one
0: material as a wide receiver. It's amazing. Not only is he scoring a touchdown, but he's gaining a hundred yards every week. So like you're you're locking in almost double digit points when, when you don't even account for his actual yardage or actual catches you're just your your bonus from 100 yards and your touchdown you're getting nine points right there almost every week from him uh but I I don't think it's a surprise that you want to have Thielen because of his volume because of those stats we talked about but he's worth mentioning especially this week against the Lions because of how bad the Lions have have been against the slot on we, we we get a lot of slot numbers that, that look at slot cornerbacks or, or slot uh, safeties in coverage. And the cool thing about Sports Info Solutions, which we use for our slot data at 4 for 4 you can actually look at how defenses as a whole have performed against all players lined up in the slot. And uh, Detroit ranks last in yards per target and fantasy points per target. Two players lined up in the slot. 71% of Thielen's targets have come from the slot. Already looks like a great matchup and a great game for him. If you look at at that uh, specific lineup uh, where he's lining up, even more so.
1: Yep, no doubt about that. Now, if we do want to differentiate ourselves Mm -hmm. in cash games, how much more comfortable do you feel in uh, Thielen this week as opposed to going to the same price point on FanDuel and not too far off on DraftKings with Antonio Brown? is this, is this just too shady because he's going on the road against Baltimore? Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, just for all the reasons I talked about with Connor and, and, and how Pittsburgh performs on the road, the second meeting with the division opponents, I, I think if you're, you're going to pay up for another wide receiver, um, I think DeAndre Hopkins is probably the second most safe option, and I think Michael Thomas is, is probably the, the number two in terms of ceiling in that high-scoring game against the Rams.
1: All right, let's uh, talk about the wide receivers that have been traded. So I'm out in Denver now, and there's a big hullabaloo here with uh, Demarius Thomas. So he's going to be playing this week's game in Denver, but he's just going to be playing for the Mm -hmm. Houston Texans. And I keep going back to this, that if a guy is traded in the middle of the season, he's not going to be out there Mm -hmm. for 75% of the snaps. They're going to give him a small package of plays, and he's going to go out there, and he's going to try and run them. I have no no problem completely fading to Thomas, even in tournaments this week, or really any, even golden Tate with these guys getting traded. I just, I don't see the volume. I don't see the snap rate being there for these wide receivers. I mean,
0: we, we don't even like this in the off season when not even a trade, but when a free agent wide receiver goes to a new team, when they have a whole off season to prepare, excuse me, what we're looking for is at least an upgrade in quarterback, uh, or an upgrade and roll and preferably both uh i you can argue an upgrade in quarterback both spots obviously but definitely not an upgrade and roll Demarius Thomas was uh already kind of the number 2 behind Emmanuel Sanders this year but you can argue that they were more of a 1a 1b situation he's going to be the clear number 2 behind DeAndre Hopkins now and like you said we don't know what a snap percentage is going to be and then golden Tate You can argue that he's the the three now not just behind Alshon but behind um behind Zach Ertz Ertz. and we've I I mean we've obviously he's a much better receiver than Nelson Aguilar but we've seen even that high volume in that offense isn't one that's going to produce a lot of points uh so again we don't know how many snaps he's going to see so these trades are trades that benefit more the teammates that stayed put from the players that got traded rather than the players that actually got traded
1: yeah so let's talk about some of those guys that are staying put i think the the most obvious guy Mm -hmm. would be courtland sutton who's going to get bumped up in denver then you look over at the lions uh marvin jones and we're going to get to kenny galladay here in a second but i'd say those three guys in particular maybe you could talk about courtland sutton even to this point has been the primary deep Mm -hmm. ball uh target for Case Keenum, and he goes to him in a red zone already, so this could be very good news for Cortland Sutton owners or somebody that wants to get him in Yeah, the I, I think
0: especially on on DraftKings, where he's priced down at 3900 that Cortland Sutton is, is somebody that you're going to use to open up a bunch of value. Houston, um, excuse me, who Denver is facing ranks 25th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. Not quite as cheap on Fandle at 5,500, but you mentioned the air yards. Sutton is a guy that has showed up in Josh Herms Myers by low model quite a few times this week or this season. I'm sorry. And now Demarius is is going to leave 20% of the targets available for Sutton. Now that it's not, it's not like running back where, You can just chalk up the next guy for that exact share. You have to assume that uh, there's a possibility that Emmanuel Sanders gets an uptick in his targets. Maybe they get tight ends, running backs involved a little bit more. But overall, Sutton has to be the biggest beneficiary here, and especially this week where his salary hasn't caught up to the fact that he's the new starter. I don't think it's quite as cut and dry uh, in Detroit, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kenny Galladay, 6,200 fan duel. 5,500 DK, Marvin Jones, 6,500 FanDuel, 5,300 on DK. So here we go. There's a lot of opportunity there for both these guys. And and now Jones is going to slot. I'm not even worried about him right now. I think these are the two uh, main assets we got to focus on. And then Theoretical come back and he'll get a little work in the passing game. But uh, Galladay Jones, I mean, I'm going back and forth every time. I'm. I'm waiting for Hermsmeyer to name one of those two guys this week. Last week it was Marvin Jones. Jones blew up. Uh, where are you going? Galladay or Jones? So
0: I'm I, it, the answer is Jones for me, because even though Galladay is the, the, the sexy play and the player that's probably going to, to be the, the best receiver on this team over the next few years, uh, Jones leads, leads Galladay in target share air yards and red zone targets. Uh, you, you, you can't argue that fact. so, Tate leaves behind 27% of the targets. I don't think all of those go to either one of the receivers. I don't think there is another guy that is going to make a big dent into those targets for Galladay or Jones. But my concern is here a little bit of what what you mentioned. If Theo Riddick does come back, I think he's going to absorb more of of Tate's targets than some people might be projecting that are just assuming Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones all of a sudden see this huge uptick because... There's a few reasons. Tate is basically an extension of the running game. He's not someone that's running deep targets. In fact, he's running extremely shallow targets, not just for this team, but for any wide receiver that that lines up in a similar role that he does. And if they're expecting Theo Riddick to come back, who is practicing this week, that can definitely cut into our expectations for Galladay and Jones because that's what Riddick does best. If Riddick doesn't come back and they still made this trade, It could amplify the fact that this is a team that has been shifting more to a running game in recent weeks because they have carry on Johnson, who's been exceptional, who over the past month has seen almost 40% of the team's touches, which is a rate that you're only seeing from these elite backs. If we look at the, the first half of the season... Detroit was running on on 6 I'm sorry, passing on 60% of play, 66% of plays in neutral game script. Over the last four weeks, that's been down to 44%. That's bottom four in the league, and then they go ahead and make this trade to Golden Tate who is their high-volume passing guy It it makes me wonder if there's a philosophy shift happening in Detroit, and they're not going to continue to be this pass-happy team, and these targets don't automatically go to Galladay and Jones like we expect them to
1: well, they might need to this week to keep up mm-hmm. with the Minnesota Vikings. Sure. We'll see how that plays out. Uh you already mentioned Sutton, so he's definitely on the list of core plays as well. But let's move on to tight end, David and Joku. Again, the Chiefs get shredded by a lot. It's just that their offense is so good, they pound everybody into submission. But and Joku with a goose egg last week. He has some he's banged up. I hope that gets people off of him because he's priced right at fifty two hundred on FanDuel, forty six hundred on DraftKing. And he has a great match. Yeah,
0: Kansas City, uh they rank thirty first in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends and, and Joku right now he ranks fifth in targets among tight ends, one of five targets with at least uh uh fifth, one of five tight ends with at least fifty targets. He's probably going to jump Eric Ebron because we saw Ebron get grossly outsnapped by um by Jack Doyle last week. That's not going to come into play this week in terms of the tight end rankings, but it does mean that we're probably going to see Joku's price rise relative to other tight ends. He's just going to keep moving up those ranks as guys like Ebron uh, fall down and become more, more ambiguous. Cleveland is a heavy underdog, which should leave to lead to a a very pass heavy game script. And that obviously benefits Joku as well. Uh, Again, it's, he's still priced quite affordable for what you're getting in terms of volume and like you mentioned him being banged up a little bit uh might keep his ownership depressed. And then we
1: brought up Thielen from the Vikings, but don't forget about Kyle Rudolph. Fifty seven hundred FanDuel, thirty six hundred DraftKings, and uh you know Rudolph's got a nice little match. Yeah, he's coming off
0: uh, seven targets last week, which is the second highest target total uh for him of the season. And one of the reasons I, I talked about Thielen was because his great matchup in the slot and i mentioned that when we look at those slot numbers sports info Faux solutions lets you look at the team number versus all players that have lined up in the slot and rudolph when when Thielen isn't there rudolph has been there quite a bit 60 percent of rudolph's targets this season have come from the slot detroit ranks 29th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends and we're we're looking for positive game script with our tight ends, which is sometimes counterintuitive to people because you think that, uh, that team's not going to be passing as much, but we have found that that script actually benefits tight ends almost as much as any position. And then you have the touchdown upside. Not only does Minnesota have an inflated, uh, team total 27 points, but Rudolph is tied with Stefan Diggs for the second most red zone targets on the team. Uh, So I I like Rudolph, especially where he's priced down on on DraftKings at thirty six hundred. If you are trying to save some money, I like punting tight end. If you're trying to jam in Gurley, Rudolph helps a bunch. So we move on to defense
1: then and a couple we just talked about the Chiefs getting shredded, but. The Chiefs thirty nine hundred (laughs) FanDuel twenty seven hundred DK you don't have to be a good defense to be a good fantasy defense. And listen, the Browns. You saw what was going on there this week. I mean, what a debacle. (laughs) It's just an. (laughs) Just when you think they can't get more dysfunctional, they do. They fire their head coach. They fire their offensive coordinator. They give the guy that was at the head of Bounty Gate their head coaching job. But Baker Mayfield has just had a lost rookie season. Like, he has gained nothing. He has been set back a year. So, why not start the Chiefs? I I wanted to
0: mention the Chiefs specifically because. There are a lot of uh, statistical uh, pointers or, or or things that I look at for, for my defenses where the Chiefs match up pretty closely to what we're looking at um, with our defenses, with the Bears, who are priced up really high and who are going to be a very chalky defense, but you're getting a, a discount on the Chiefs. Now, I'm not saying they're as good of of a player as safe as the Bears, but... I mean, we 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 should look at a couple of these things. Chiefs are a nine-point favorite. The Bears are a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. If we look at their adjusted uh, sack rate, the Chiefs actually have the same adjusted sack rate as the Bears, and the Browns actually have the same adjusted sack rate as the Bills, ranked very low. Cleveland ranks 26 in in defensive uh, adjusted fantasy points allowed. Not as bad as the Bills, who the Bears are facing. But the Browns do throw at a much higher rate in neutral game script than Buffalo. Both of those teams will probably be in in pass-heavy situations anyway. But there are situations like the Bears are in right now where they're facing the Bills who are an extremely run-heavy team where the game gets slowed down because they're trying to run the ball so much that there's just fewer scoring opportunities uh, in terms of fantasy. Now, again, I want to be clear. I, I do believe the Bears are the better play, but it's it's worth mentioning that you're getting a big discount on the Chiefs for uh, some similar optics, at least. All right, and then you get the Broncos at 3,400.
1: and I mean, This is mainly because Deshaun yeah. Watson gets – crushed. He gets hit every game and lots of sacks that could uh, be in line.
0: Broncos, <clears throat> excuse me, are 3400 on FanDuel, only 2300 on DraftKings where we have them as the the top value of the week. Broncos ranked top 5 in adjusted sack rate. The Texans are in the bottom 5 in adjusted sack rate allowed. We have a home favorite, uh, just a situation where where you're able to get out the after the quarterback. We haven't seen deshaun watson improve on that interception rate that he had last year that was hidden by that huge touchdown rate it's it's still quite high and a lot of it has to do with the fact that teams have been able to get after him and broncos do that as good if not better than anybody in the league all
1: right so uh we have looked at the cash and gpp plays for week number nine And we're going to get to what's winning DK GPPs here in just a a couple of minutes. But fantasy football season, my friends, right in full swing. And 4 for 4, we partnered up with DraftKings to bring you any of our 4 for 4 memberships for free. All you got to do is go to 4for4.com backslash DraftKings and follow the instructions. You get full access to our most accurate rankings, the lineup generator, optimal lineups, premium articles, and all the other great features in our plan Offer just five bucks, which you can then enter into contest and potentially win more. Super excited to bring you this deal. So go to four for four.com backslash draft Kings and follow the instructions. All right, TJ, I'm reading all your stuff. Um Every week, by the way, if you don't, if you're not a subscriber, you should be TJ writes up a um, kind of a mm-hmm. look back at what one, uh, the Millie maker or something like that. And, I just ask you right now, TJ, what the hell do I got to do? I mean, what is it? What are the what's
0: the what's the code? The code is to sign up for four four dot com and get 25 percent off. (laughs) Uh, Shameless plug there. Uh, I mean, I wanted to go over this because we're at the halfway point of the season. And I want to review now because it's I, I think it we've done a lot of studies at four for four that look at things like this, the winning lineups over uh, the, the previous season, over the course of <clears throat> daily fantasy as a whole. But we do have to be a little bit careful when we're looking at those. And I'm, I, I always kind of wrestle with if those past numbers have as much value as, as they sometimes seem on the surface. And for the simple reason that, these sites are changing their their salary salary algorithms so often, sometimes in the season, and it it can be dangerous to look at at really old results and project those onto what you're doing now. So now that we're at the halfway point, I think it's a pretty good time to look at what's been working this season, and we're running out of time to to hit on big money. I, I think last year. DraftKings stopped running the millionaire in week 14, so that would only give us six more millionaires this week, which is crazy to think of. We're already that far into the season. And then qualifiers, if you're playing those, even less of an opportunity. I think there's only two more weeks for King of the Beach qualifier because they have two rounds of that. And then I, I believe only three or four more weeks to qualify for uh, for the big live finals. So let's figure out what's working, right?
1: Yeah, I... I... I'm trying, man. I'm trying. So doing all right, but haven't hit the millie. Um, so halfway through the season now, right? Yeah. So you mentioned past data. We got so much. We got so much going on that's changing. But if you're not looking at what is working, if there's if, you, if there's any way you can dig up a trend or two, then you got to do it. Yeah. You just ha- you have to do it.
0: Yeah, and and the reason I wanted to focus on on DraftKings here is because they let you export every single, uh, not just your lineup, the entire fields lineup from every game that you play. So you can you can dig into these trends a little more. Whereas on Fanduel, you would have to do all these things by hand. It's it's virtually impossible. So I know not everybody is only a DraftKings member, but uh, this is the data that that we're able to to grab. So. Uh, let's just start off from basically what I did is I, I took all the winning lineups from these big contests so far this year. And I looked at, at average ownership and average salary and just to see who's paying for what and where people uh, for what we call eating the chalk. Just taking on these guys that are expected to be extremely high owned. And I it, it's easy just to look at things on the surface and, and look at these anecdotal uh uh points and think oh this is what's working but we have we have at least eight weeks of data for it so it seems like you've wanted one of these big running backs now the data supports that we've seen the the average ownership for your running back one and running back two obviously flex is a little bit different we'll get to that shortly uh but 20 percent and 22 percent for the your two running backs so Going heavy with the chalk running backs, the average salary for the running back one has been $7,800. Average salary for the running back two has been 6475 So not only are, are people paying up for running backs, but they're not even really looking for pivot plays off running backs. They're just taking the the running backs in the best spots. And that makes sense because... Running back is the highest volume position. It's the easiest to project. It relies heavily on game flow, which usually we're very good at projecting, especially now with some of these teams like the Rams and the chiefs that, uh, have, have kind of been blowing other teams out of the water. And the, that's, what's been winning six of the eight winning millionaire lineups this season have had at least one running back priced at $7,000 or above half of the winners have featured two backs, $7,000 or above. And I, I mean, we, we haven't had a lot of the free squares that we've talked about, especially at the running back position. So it it hasn't made sense this year where oftentimes you can take a, a cheap running back that might see similar volume and it's going to lead to a different lineup construction. That's not the way to be unique this year, at least at the running back position uh, going with the grain has been very profitable. So
1: paying up there at running backs. I, I think you mm-hmm. say that on both sites. Um, so, how about the quarterback position? Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like just in tournaments, a lot of times you're going to try and go with a, a lower price quarterback. So you can jam in some studs uh, at the running back mm-hmm. position. What is the, uh, what's the data
0: you see there? Yeah. And those that's because you've, you've been doing your homework in DFS and and reading and, and listening to, to how these uh, trends take over time. So that makes sense to you, but there's still these, uh, a huge portion of players that, that get enamored with these quarterbacks in the big games that are priced up. But what we've seen so far this year and, and quite a bit in the past, but especially this year is that people have been paying down for quarterbacks on DraftKings. uh, we haven't been seeing the chalk quarterbacks hit 7% average ownership, which isn't extremely low for quarterbacks because it's rare that you see a quarterback hit 20% ownership, but it's not like it's been week in, week out that the Patrick Mahomes has been hitting. The average salary for the winning quarterback has been about $5,500. we have only seen three winning quarterbacks in DraftKings Millionaire lineup, price $6,000 or above. Uh, only one of those has been priced at $6,500. So just to put that in perspective, last week DraftKings had eight quarterbacks priced at $6,000 or above. There's 20 quarterbacks available on a on a 10-game slate. So almost half the field's priced $6,000 or above, and people are still going under that and, and winning uh, these big tournaments. And it makes sense because if these big running backs are hitting, you're getting the ceiling from those guys. You're getting a ceiling from... Top at least one top wide receiver, and then we'll get to this shortly. You're this year, you're probably getting a ceiling from tight end because there just aren't that many guys to pay for, so you're playing these ceiling guys. And quarterback is the one position where scoring is very flat. It's if you think about it, think about it this week. Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he plays the whole game, there's a very good chance that he exceeds 300 yards, he gets that bonus, and if he scores one or two touchdowns, all of a sudden he's in the conversation with any quarterback you, you talk about. Even Drew Brees, Jared Goff, Cam Newton, he's very close, whereas you can't take the the running back 20 and expect him any reasonable amount of time to have the same kind of floor ceiling as the Connors, as the Hunts, as the McCaffreys, it just doesn't work like that at other positions. So it makes sense that this works at quarterback. It it goes back to even people that don't play DFS. If you're if you're interested in, in quarterback streamers, you've, it's the same concept, and it's shown that it's worked not just this year, but multiple times over. So we move on from the
1: quarterback position, and uh, mm. we move down. I mean, th- this is interesting, and and I want to go back and say this. The onesie positions, right? What's a onesie mm-hmm. position? Quarterback, tight end, defense, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. They have such relatively flat ownership. But this is your words. I'm just reading the yeah. words. It's not surprising when a winning lineup features a quarterback, tight end, or defense with single-digit ownership. I kind of take that for granted at this point, but, you know— it, you really can. I, we go back to it a million times. You can play chalk in your tournaments. You just have to differentiate yeah. yourself at a couple of positions.
0: Yeah, and and I just went over my whole quarterback spiel, so I'm not. I won't uh, recap that. But it's different. The one D positions are different at tight end and defense. A lot of times, <clears throat> those aren't where you want to so to eat the chalk, so to speak, because they're such high volatility positions. But so far this year, we've seen. Average ownership of about 13% tight ends, about 12% for defenses. That's pretty high uh, when you consider that you usually have salary bunched up pretty close with these two positions. And again, it's not like running back or wide receiver where you can take a a player that's 30% owned and still have a chance to differentiate with a couple other players. You're just not going to see defenses or tight ends exceed 20% ownership. But that's why it's kind of curious that these chalkier plays have been hitting uh for for the tight end i think it makes sense and it's probably a trend that's going to continue throughout the year for the simple fact that the position is just so bad and in the past even even the the tight end 12s like your your jason wittons or whatever have been close enough to your top tier guys where if they do score a touchdown they can jump the field. Now we only have three or four guys, the the Jokus, the Ebrons up until this week, and then obviously uh the 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 Ertz and the Kelseys who are, are getting consistent volume who have legitimate touchdown upside. So there there just aren't other tight ends that have ceilings at this point. Yep. So it kinda makes sense right now that that's the case. At defense, I'm my 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 gut instinct and and my Decent experience suggests that this is variance uh, because as, as promising as all these trends are, it is only eight weeks of data and defense can hinge so much on a single touchdown or a couple of sacks. And it's very rare that these chalk defenses hit and will continue to hit. Uh, I mean, just take, it's like I talked about this week. Like, I don't think chiefs are going to be, underowned or or a big secret but compared to the bears uh i do think they will have pretty low ownership and if they get a pick six and the bears don't all of a sudden that's the difference in defenses we just haven't seen that a ton yet so unlike tight end defense scoring comes from all over the place and i would expect that that trend is one to avoid a little mm. bit going forward
1: all right very good so we move on to wide receiver now and again this is the DraftKings kings uh maker so you've got Wide receiver used the majority of the time in the mm-hmm. winning lineups, but not all of the time.
0: No. In in the past, it's uh, bef- before last season, it was pretty close to a 50-50 split in terms of what winning lineups used um, between wide receiver and running back. Uh, last year, we saw run- it, running backs took over the league last year, and it wasn't surprising that we saw running backs mostly in In winning lineups I think 12 of of the 14 or 11 of the 14 winning millionaire lineups last year had a running back in the flex spot and I talked about early in before the season started I think we talked about it on this podcast if if I had to guess one of the biggest shifts on DraftKings this year is that we would see more wide receivers in the flex this year even though it probably should be 50-50. It's kind of like the, the touchdown regression or the touchdown rate regression that we see with players. These these trends, the pendulum pin, tends to swing back pretty far to get back to that equilibrium. And that's kind of what we're seeing this year. And it's it's really simple math, but it's it's a concept that I think is pretty hard for the average user to grasp because my argument for that position is that, mathematically wide receiver position as a whole they they have less volume which makes them higher variance so a player with a a similar medium projection at wide receiver to a running back is going to have a higher ceiling because that's how variance works if you have higher variance you have a higher ceiling and you are you're, you're not looking at the Running back one and the wide receiver one, which is I I think that's where people get lost in this concept. When I say as a whole, wide receiver probably has a slightly higher ceiling. It's it's still close, Uh, but they the argument I often get back immediately is, oh, so you're saying Gurley doesn't have the highest ceiling in the league? (laughs) No, those three guys the the Gurley, the Hunt, the Connors, yeah. We've already accounted for them. I already talked about the the chalk expensive running backs. We're already rostering those guys. Now we're talking about the flex position. position. We're talking about your third running back and your fourth wide receiver. You Those are going to be similar, similar salaries, guys, that don't have guaranteed workloads. And it's unlike on FanDuel where pricing is wide open, which is part of the reason we've seen a lot of running backs in the flex because you can afford three expensive ones. You you just can't afford a third expensive running back or reliable reliable running back in the flex on DraftKings, so it makes sense that we're seeing seeing this shift. Uh, it, it's it's math. It is, and that math is going to help you win some money. Um,
1: so anything else you want to bring up when it comes to this? It's absolutely fascinating. Some of the stuff you've unearthed.
0: Yeah, uh, the, this probably doesn't have any predictive value, but it's interesting because. I always, especially this time of year, when, when people start getting crushed in DFS, you hear the the, the arguments against DFS. It's hard. It's impossible. Nobody wins. Uh, you have to max enter to win. We've seen a lot of of single entry or people with five or fewer lineups, not just winning the millionaire, but uh, the, the top 10 kind of being dominated by these plays. And I think that's, that speaks to kind of the reason that cash games are getting hard because there's a lot of people that have very good information there's a lot of sharp dudes putting out very valuable information there's a lot of tools like lineup generators that are helping people build very profitable lineups so whether you're on four for four or getting your advice from another site there's a good chance that you can at least make be competitive without doing a ton of work now over the long term you're you're going to get edged out by the people that are putting in the work. Uh, but in, in something that's structured like the millionaire, it's it's not surprising that someone with three or four lineups could pop off and, and hit. Uh, but something that is maybe a little more predictable and that we we can use as an actionable trend is that I've seen multiple weeks and and probably the majority of the time this year. And again, this probably just goes to people reading more and, and being more educated Everybody knows about about stacking in tournaments. And usually that comes down to a game stack or a team stack. But what I've seen a lot on both FanDuel and DraftKings is winning lineups using multiple correlation plays. So not only are they stacking a a quarterback with a their wide receiver and maybe a third player from that game. But we're seeing a lot of running back and defense stacks. And then they're going outside of those traditional stacks and maybe finding a, a second or third offense they like and rostering maybe two pass catchers uh, from that offense or two two players from that offense. So an example might be someone might roster Jared Goff with, um, say, Robert Woods, and then you see them double down with, like, a Kareem Hunt and a, a Travis Kelsey. So multiple correlation plays in one lineup, and that actually makes sense because it's akin to what Pat James talks about in his intro every week in his Stacks article – he likes to take his core plays and take his his uh low owned stacks. Cause it's easier to hit on one low-owned stack. You only have to be right once then try to mix and match all these all these one percent plays or dart throws or whatever what whatever your strategy is. It's like that expanded. Like if, if you're playing three different correlation plays in one lineup, you're actually minimizing the decision points you have to be right on. So if you if you are taking a quarterback, right receiver stack and then a wide receiver running back from another team and rotating that through 50 or a hundred lineups, you only have to be right. Uh, I mean, yeah, you still have to get the right players, but in, in theory, you only have to be right three or four times cause you're just picking these offenses than trying to have a player pool of 70 players from different teams and hoping that they're the guys that hit. Uh, so that's interesting to me. The multiple correlation plays, maybe I just haven't been paying close attention enough, but it seems like it's popping up more lately. Yeah, I just I feel like we spent a whole show
1: on this in the preseason, you know, talking about stacking mm-hmm. and stuff like that, yeah. and and that's the way it goes. But you know, and, and then there's going to be a couple of weeks a year a guy throws in one lineup and he's going to end up winning the sure. whole thing. It happens a lot of
0: weeks, a yeah. lot of weeks a year. Yep,
1: yeah. and that's I mean, again, at that at that uh, entry level, there is going to be a lot of variance.
0: Going on with yeah, that yeah i mean you but you can learn something from that right like you shouldn't be playing the millionaire every week if you can't afford it but if you're playing 50 bucks a week and you're trying to have strict bankroll management and you're only playing say five dollars in tournaments and you're trying to play smaller size tournaments because you want to grind out a profit that's that's really smart but maybe still throw those tournaments uh in a one dollar tournament where you at least have a chance to, to win something like 10K or 20K, right? No
1: doubt about it. I mean, that's 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 my strategy. I'm not going to sit there yeah. and throw in, you know, 10 milli Makers when I can go mm-hmm. and, you know, play maybe, play a whole bunch of just lower options. And, and really, single-entry tournaments, to me, is the way to yeah. go right now. I, yeah. Well, but give yourself a chance. Give yourself an out. Yeah, give you, absolutely. Season. Give yourself a, the best chance to continue to build. And then, you know, if by week uh, 14, then my bankroll is... You know, $70 million, then I'll go play Million maker. million. That'll be that. <laughs> That's it, pal. I mean, it was, it was a fun show today. I like that. And again, I think this will be one of the more unique weeks, not just because of the bye weeks, but you got players getting traded now. You got a couple that are going off the main slate on the primetime slate. Mm-hmm. Uh, this should be a fun one here.
0: Very fun week number nine. Yeah, and you mentioned off the main slate. Uh, this probably gets overlooked a lot just because uh, the focus is on the main slate, but at the end of each of my slate breakdowns, I I give some notes um, on on the the full slate, the Thursday to Monday games, and again we talked about it last week. Those games are probably being overlooked a lot with people shifting towards showdown. So it's a it's a good bankroll building opportunity, and it's a really good uh, spot to practice some of these uh, these leverage strategies that we talk about and leveraging the field, looking at ownership, and and it's as great as people are getting. A, a lot of sites, including four for four aren't doing ownership projections for thursday to monday slates uh we we have some content that i'm doing but a lot of sites aren't doing full slate content uh so there's an edge there so so if if and when you do subscribe to four four make sure you uh you check out those full slate notes
1: you know i don't know if i've ever talked to you about that how how big are you into the showdown slates are you playing a lot of them
0: i have harsh feelings towards showdown but uh, that's that's (laughs) That's an entire other episode. I don't want to get, I don't want okay. to get in a, a Twitter argument with a okay. uh, hundred other analysts tonight. I okay. have things to do. <laughs> Very good.
1: You got other things to do. Well, thanks for uh, doing this show. This is always fun, hanging out with you for uh, about an hour a week and just yeah, going man. over the week slate. So this will be good stuff, pal. Uh, say goodbye to anybody you need to say goodbye to, because after this, it's you know as we're taping. I still got my doorbell ringing upstairs. I got to go scare some kids.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Happy Halloween, uh, late Halloween to everybody. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, use DFS MVP as your promo code to get 25% off a price that's already dropped down to $59. That could pay for itself in one week, should pay it for itself in one week. Uh, and if you like what you're listening to or you just want a free t-shirt and you don't like either of us go on itunes give us a, a rating and a five-star uh review and and we'll throw your name into the hat to uh to get a free t-shirt and if you like twitter or you're on twitter i'm at tg hernandez holden is at holden radio and we'll talk to you guys in week 10 but you can't predict you the weather, Miss Jackson. nine out of nine, now if I'm lying, fine. The quickest muzzle, throw it on my mouth, and I'll decline. King meets queen, then the puppy love thing. Together dream about that crib with the Goodyear swing. On the oak tree, I hope we feel like this forever. Forever, forever, ever, forever, ever. Forever, never seems that long until you're grown. And notice that the day-by-day ruler can't be too long. Miss Jackson, my intentions were good. I wish I could become a magician to everything.